On today's episode, we are talking to Dr. Laura. She is a naturopathic doctor practicing in Ontario, Canada. She's here today to talk to us about all things women's health, but in particular, we're going to be talking about blood panels that we should have done, what stress does to our hormones, how our bodies react after having a baby, and we're going to also be talking about some dietary practices that you can start today to help regulate your hormones. Let's welcome onto the show Dr. Laura. If you could tell us, of course, if you could tell um, our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background, um, that would be awesome. Yeah. um, So, yeah, I'm a naturopathic doctor. I've been practicing for just over two years now. Um, I practice in two different locations and my focus is mainly on women's health and hormones. And, um, And when we say hormones, a lot of people kind of have their focus as hormones. So really like everything in our body is pretty much a hormone. Yes. Um, but I like focusing on thyroid hormones, sex hormones, um, because I found that, especially when it comes to women's health issues, um, be it period problems, fertility problems, that sort of thing, um, there's really not a lot of conventional treatment options, and a lot of the time it's birth control, pills, or um, hysterectomies, and that's kind of where yeah. our options start and end. Mm-hmm. So I like that naturopathic medicine offers us a wide range of tools to treat these um, conditions. So that's kind of why my focus is women's health. And that's why I love um, helping women with their periods and getting pregnant and, and all that sort of fun stuff. Yeah, definitely. So do you, um, like with Western medicine, obviously it's very, very different, like you said. And I have a lot of friends who have, you know, hormone issues and even me myself, um, what would be like the first step that you would take into getting your hormones back in order? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think a lot of people, again, like I said, hormones is such a big term. We mm-hmm. really have to kind of, we really have to bring it down into the nitty gritty. And so what I do is I say, okay, first I see a patient, we do a, a clinical intake. So that's an hour first appointment. And from there, we really start by talking about, I think the best way, um, when we're talking about getting our hormones in order, we need to know what's out of order. Yes. So what we need to do first is do investigations to see what's actually going on. So what I do is I say, with every women's health intake, um, I start with what's going on with your period. And I will note that if you're on birth control, it's not a it's not a good gauge of what's going on because that's all kind of controlled by the hormones you're taking. But for somebody who's not on birth control, let's say, we would start with a clinical intake of their period. So I want to know how many days are you bleeding for, how long is your cycle, meaning like day one you bleed and day whatever else you bleed again, those days um, counted up would be your cycle length. And so looking at that sort of information gives you a lot of clues about what's going on um, into your hormones. And then we kind of go from there. So the main ones I look at in women is estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, thyroid hormone, and stress hormone. And so if we're really starting just basically at the intake, we're talking about your period, and I'm basically looking at if your cycles are too short, if they're too long, if they're too heavy, if they're painful, um, thinking about what those things could indicate. And then based on that intake, I say, okay, is there a test that we need to do to confirm XYZ or that would help us get more knowledge of XYZ? And then we go from there. And then when I actually know which imbalances are out, then I can actually go in and do a deep dive and say, okay, now we need to fix this and this is how we're going to do it. 
that's that's awesome that's like an overview of what we would do to start and if you were doing something specific for example thyroid i would never just dive in and treat a thyroid without having some lab values so there are certain nuances when it comes to specific hormones but i don't know if i answered your question but that's kind of how i start as like an overall um intake yeah no that was perfect yeah thank you um it's so much information to consider and it's really cool because i became passionate about women's health probably like two years ago um i just kind of was sick of my body not doing what it's supposed to be doing so i actually started just doing my own research and becoming knowledgeable um i've battled with pcos since i was about 13 so I would like, you know, I had just irregular periods and a lot of random things, um, really bad acne, um, just, you know, all different kinds of stuff. So the best thing for me was really taking a natural approach, um, and, you know, just diving into just better nutrition and sleeping more, um, and taking supplements that support my hormones. Um, with your clients, do you also come in with a nutrition plan for them or what's your approach on the diet side? Yeah. So and with someone like PCOS, that's an interesting um, point to start because that's like a lot of my patients are PCOS. Okay. And the thing with PCOS is it actually presents very differently. And so there's different, I would say, categories of PCOS. Mm-hmm. So you can have someone who um, fits like the classical PCOS, I put in quotes, um, would be somebody who has trouble losing weight or they're overweight. They have acne, they have polycystic ovaries, and they have irregular or non-existent periods. Okay. And that would be something we would really say, oh, they have PCOS. But on the but on the other like end of things, I've seen patients who their only symptom of PCOS is the fact that they can't get pregnant. They okay. are thin. They are otherwise athletically built. They have no acne. You don't see it present the same way. And so yeah. when I'm looking at PCOS, for example, if we're if we're going to use, I'll just use that as an example here. Um, it really depends again on the presentation. So the root cause of PCOS is uh, you probably know, but it's an insulin testosterone imbalance is yes. insulin is usually the root cause of PCOS. So that's why diet goes a long way. Supplements helping blood sugar, whether our supplements are reducing um, testosterone or, or whatever they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. What I do is I say, okay, first of all, what are your goals? Because my patient who came in, who uh, their only symptom of PCOS is infertility mm. wants very different things than my patient whose main goal is to lose weight. Who has Definitely. PCOS. So what I do is I say, okay, what are we trying to accomplish, number one? Where are the imbalances? Why? And then we say, okay, what approach do we want to take? Now, there's always, diet is foundational. So diet is always what we start with. We say, okay, so these are the types of foods that can help. Um, When it comes to PCOS, we're doing a lot of like balancing blood sugar, making sure we have lots of healthy fats, lots of protein, um, lots of things that can help balance like things like testosterone, so like spearmint, Mm -hmm. um, spearmint tea and things like that. Pumpkin seeds are really great for that. So those are the types of um, clinical pearls I would kind of add in. We look at a diet diary. We make sure you have a balanced diet. I basically start really kind of bare bones where I say, fill out a diet diary. Let's look at what your diet looks like and let's see where we can improve on things because 
nobody makes 180 changes overnight. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not manageable and people just give up and they get frustrated. So Definitely. I start to say, okay, where are the holes? Like, do you need more protein? Do you need more fat? Do we just need to make breakfast better? Do we yeah. need to try intermittent, intermittent fasting, which doesn't work for everyone? Mm. Do we need to try a lower carb diet, which doesn't work for everyone, but for PCOS, it might be a good idea. Okay. So doing, doing those sorts of dietary tweaks, there's never a one size fits all. I might put one PCOS patient on intermittent fasting. I might not on another. Um, my patient trying to get pregnant, I certainly wouldn't be putting them on any restricted macronutrient diet. Definitely. I would be, I would be putting them on a modified macronutrient diet. So I think with diet, it's certainly foundation. I start there and we decide on A, where our patient is, B, where they want to go, and see how much they're willing to change at once. So That's those awesome. Kind of, those things kind of factor into what we do there. And then when it comes to supplements, I mean, supplements are fantastic. Uh, I only use certain like professional brands because I okay. know that they work. I know that the, the dose is good, um, all the quality and all of those sorts of things. Yeah. But at the same time, I think some patients are more willing. I have some patients, for example, who come in and they say, you know what? I'm not ready to change my diet. I'll take 20 supplements. I don't want to do anything in diet right now. Okay. So with that patient, we say, okay, let's let's start slow with diet and let's get you on supplements because I know supplements will make a shift. Yeah. So once they once they see those shifts, then they're more likely to come back and change their diet because diet takes longer, right? Yes, definitely. And then the, then I have a patient on the flip side who's like, you know what, the funds aren't there for me. I can't take a bunch of supplements. I want to make it as dietary as possible. And that yeah. patient. I still put them on a couple of supplements, but we'll say, you know what? Your diet has to be really tight and you have to do a really great job. So I think it depends on the person, but I'm always doing diet, lifestyle, supplements. Um, I add in herbs when necessary. Um, Acupuncture is a really fun tool I love to use, especially for periods, fertility, um, that sort of thing. That is so awesome. All I was thinking when you were saying that is that I wish that when I was younger, I had you as my doctor because (laughs) my doctor, when I missed, um, you know, I, I didn't have periods for years and my doctor said, you know, get her on birth control. And my parents said, heck no. Um, you know, they knew that that was not like that wouldn't fix anything. Um, but I struggled for so many years just to get a period back. So all I was thinking, I was like, you know what? My doctor did not come in and look at the whole scope for me. And just, it was, you know, it was a, here, here's a quick fix. Um, and yeah, I just, I loved all of that though, really taking into consideration what, you know, someone's diet looks like and what they can and can't do and what they're willing to change is that's amazing. pill that a lot of people don't know again it's the it's a fix regular periods here's the birth control acne here's birth control like anything here's birth control and the thing that's interesting specifically with respect to pcos is i know we mentioned that um the root cause of pcos is an insulin imbalance well it's funny because the birth control pill has actually been shown to elevate insulin um so it actually worsens the root cause and yes you might get your period back quote unquote regularly because a pill bleed is not a period and a lot of people don't realize that yeah, definitely. No, that is awesome. So going into I was um when I was talking to you earlier through email, I want to talk a little bit about stress um and its play on hormones. Um I I mean I know that's very very general, but um if you could talk about that and just stress management and kind of what you use for some of your patients to help them regulate their hormones by getting their stress um managed. 
Absolutely. And yeah, it's a big topic, but it's actually something that I talk about all the time because people underestimate the role of stress and how it actually impacts your hormones and your periods. And people, when they realize, they're like, oh my God, I need to figure my stress out. Yes. Um, And it's one of the hardest things because it's not like I can give you supplements, but at the end of the day, you still have to do the work, right? So that's one of those, it's one of those things as well. Um, But in order to talk about, so uh, I'll just kind of back up a bit. Um, Your stress hormone, your main stress hormone, for those who don't know, is called cortisol. So that's what I'm going to be referring to as the stress hormone. Um, There's a few different hormones that I want to highlight. I already highlighted estrogen and um, progesterone with respect to the cycle. Um, But they do have a lot of other roles. So I'm just going to kind of give you an overview so that you understand when I'm kind of going into stress a little bit more. I find that it's a lot easier to kind of piece, piece apart. Okay. So with estrogen, it has roles in literally everywhere in the body. Obviously, we know it has roles in our uterus, breast, vagina, all of those tissues, but it does have roles in your brain, your bloodstream, um, and your bone. Your progesterone, same thing. Um, progesterone is purely your progest hormone, so it maintains a pregnancy. Okay. So estrogen, first half of the cycle, progesterone, second half of the cycle. And so, and that's what I was talking about with respect to if your cycles are short or long, or Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're looking at your ovulation and it's a not happening, B happening too early or C happening too late. That tells me a lot about your estrogen and progesterone balance. Definitely. Um, So those are the kind of the key players. And then obviously we have testosterone. Women need testosterone, um, but then in PCOS, it can be a bit too high. Okay. Um, We have our thyroid hormone and we have our cortisol, which is our stress hormone. So that's kind of a quick, quick Coles notes version of of the main players in the situation. And so when we're looking at stress hormones specifically, we start to look at the adrenal glands. Um, These are two glands that basically sit on top of your kidneys and they're responsible for our fight or flight. So you're, you're running from a bear. These glands are your epinephrine, your norepinephrine, and your cortisol, which is that long-term stress. And so this is a normal response, and it's a healthy response. It helps your body adapt to stress. But the problem is we're no longer running from bears. We're, yes. sitting, at, we're sitting at desks. We're in fights with our partners. We are on a stressful conversation. We're waiting for test results. Like We're in situations. We're in traffic. Like We're in so many yeah. different situations where we our fight or flight is going off um, more than it needs to. Okay. And so that's kind of the role of the adrenal glands. And so our, our stress hormone is important. Like it does have important roles. It helps with your blood pressure regulation. Um, it helps to regulate your blood sugar, like all of these sorts of things. Because if you picture, um, because I know when people talk about cortisol or stress hormone, they often talk about it in a bad way. We need to lower stress hormone. We need to get rid of stress hormone. But at the end of the day, everything in moderation so your stress hormone helps to modulate your blood sugars and like i just said but if you picture if you're running from a bear what does your body do your body lets out all the blood sugar Mm because you're like boy i'm gonna need energy yeah and your blood pressure goes up because you need to move and your body's not worried about reproduction so yeah (laughs) you're you're not like gonna have a baby while you're running from a bear yes your fertility gets impacted in a negative way. And so these are the long-term consequences we have. And so when we look at that from a a larger perspective, too much cortisol long-term can do things like increase our blood pressure, 
um, result in poor nutrition and nutrient deficiencies because, again, we're running from bear. We're not worried about resting and digesting, mm-hmm. right? That's that's the opposite of our fight or flight. Um, it reduces your immune function, so you're going to get sick more often. Um, going to give you poor memory and concentration. That's that adrenal fatigue. You're just going to not be able to focus. And wow. another interesting thing about long-term cortisol is it actually causes a, re- a resistance of your body to other hormones. So what that means is, say your thyroid hormone's normal, but your cortisol's through the roof. Your cortisol basically has a blocking effect of that uh, that thyroid hormone being able to work properly. So you're going to have symptoms, not only is your cortisol high, but you may have symptoms of a low thyroid. And okay. your thyroid hormones are fine, but it's because cortisol is not allowing your thyroid hormones to work. Wow. So that's one thing it can do another thing it can do when we'll kind of pull back to the psychofertility portion of the whole picture is that when we're looking at cortisol we talk about the um the the steel effect okay Mm -hmm. so what happens is progesterone and cortisol are made by the same building blocks and this is uh, cholesterol okay and so what happens is our body's always going to favor stress hormone over sex hormone so when we're stressed we're making cortisol we are not making progesterone okay and so the consequence of that is if we go back we know that progesterone is the second half of your cycle estrogen is the first and so if we have that cortisol being made and the progesterone not being made we're going to have an imbalance in estrogen and progesterone and because progesterone is our progest hormone, we're mm-hmm. not going to have enough to be able to get pregnant and maintain a pregnancy. Yeah. And so we talk a lot about this estrogen dominance. People always throw around the word estrogen dominance. Yes. And really. And it's, and it's said in every, every Instagram post about hormones talks about estrogen dominance. And really, it's not that people have too much estrogen. It's that they have an imbalance in estrogen and progesterone. Okay. And stress hormone can be one of the reasons for that. Yeah, and I feel like in this day and age, everyone is stressed, so I'm not surprised, um, you know, that it comes out in all these different ways. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, and so so basically we're saying, okay, so now we need to balance stress hormone, and because, again, we don't want it gone, we don't want too much, we want everything in balance, and we need to be able to make progesterone, so we need to bring our cortisol down a little bit, and it's funny because... I talk about bringing cortisol down and everyone talks like I just said about bringing cortisol down, but you can actually do, um, testing on cortisol. So there's like salivary testing is really good. Okay. Um, urine testing is really good, but basically what you're doing is you're looking at cortisol has what's called a diurnal pattern. What that means is it's highest in the morning and then it kind of goes down throughout the day into the night, it'll be the lowest in the evening, and then it peaks back up in the morning. Okay. And the hormone that acts opposite to that is melatonin. Melatonin helps us sleep. Mm-hmm. So what can happen is I look at, if I'm doing testing on someone's cortisol or their adrenal gland function, um, I will see cortisol and I'll look at their curve. Some okay. people have cortisol that's through the roof. It's high the entire time. Yeah. Some, some people have, it's low the entire time, so they are completely burnt out. Other people, and I find that this is kind of the middle stage, um, is where people, I like to call it tired but wired. (laughs) Their cortisol is peaking at the wrong times. So cortisol in the morning gives you that energy to wake up and get out of bed. 
when cortisol is high in the evening, that actually gives you that boost of energy at like 3 a.m. when yeah. you're supposed to be sleeping. Yeah. And so that's interfering now. At that point, we're interfering with melatonin. Definitely. And we're not allowing melatonin to get us into that deep sleep that we require. So that's how we look at it. So again, it's not all about lowering it. Some people mm-hmm. are high, some people are low, some people are in the middle. And it really depends on what specific symptoms you're um, displaying. But I also find that um, symptoms don't really tell the whole story when it comes to stress because yeah. everybody kind of tells it differently. Definitely. Um, <laughs> so would you say then um, urine sample is better, urine and saliva is better than blood tests when you're looking at particular hormones? Yeah, so I would say when we're looking at cortisol, I always favor saliva over um, saliva and urine okay. over blood. The reason for that is because blood you can test your cortisol and blood, but number one, if you're going to get a blood test, who gets stressed before getting the blood taken? <laughs> so it's gonna, it might be a little bit elevated. Yeah. The other the other thing is is a cort- a true cortisol like cortisol that's too high and cortisol that's too low that's pathological. Like that's a disease state. Okay. So when we have cortisol that's too high, that's Cushing syndrome. When we have cortisol that's too low, that's Addison syndrome. We're not talking about those things. Those are frank excess and deficiencies. We're talking about people who are just in the middle Mm -hmm. um, and they're, they're less than optimal. And those are good gauges to look at in blood. In blood, it's like, Hey, you're not going to die or you are. Yeah. So I think saliva and, and uh, urine does a really good job of looking at those in between, saying mm, it's a little bit high here, it's a little bit low here, it's tanking out here. Like it's better to okay. look at the pattern yeah. in that way. Um, the other reason is because you're not to look at a curve. You have to have more than one sample, and you're not going to go multiple times in the same day to get your blood taken. Definitely. Just from a per ease perspective, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. So. That for cortisol, um, estrogen and progesterone, I'm completely fine with getting in the blood. Okay, cool. Um, but you have to go at a certain time in your cycle. Yes. So to get the right results, you need to be going at day 21 of your cycle. Okay, on day or 21. around day 21. And you need to make sure that you're getting both estrogen and progesterone because you need to be able to compare the two. Okay. It's not really about... Um, have you ever had your hormones tested in the blood? Um, I have, um, but my doctor just randomly took them throughout my cycle yeah. and I wasn't having a consistent cycle. So right. he was like, oh, well, we'll just take them now and we'll see how it goes. But, um, yeah, but I've heard, you know, that you need to be taking them at certain times and all that. So that's why I was curious <laughs> to know yeah, for, as well. For irregular cycles, I would also say the same thing. As long as I get the ratio between the two, okay. I'm looking at insulin, I'm looking testosterone, I'm seeing what other factors are in play because we're keeping in mind that we're looking at an irregular cycle, okay. looking at the thyroid, making sure we're checking off all of our boxes, um, but looking at estrogen and progesterone also. Like that Perfect. would be the first test I would run. Okay. Um, but looking at them together is really important. And thyroid is in the blood as well. A lot of people okay. don't know that thyroid hormones should be taken in the morning, after fasting, before you take any thyroid medications. Okay, perfect. Um, that's the best read of your thyroid. So that's kind of how to test yes. all, all of the hormones best, I would say. Yeah, no, that is everything. That is awesome. Okay, cool. That's really good to know. I know I have some friends and some listeners who um, do have irregular, irregular periods, but also are trying to get pregnant. So I feel like this information is really great for them just to take away... Um, yeah, just to like, you know, 
get right on yeah. track. And I feel like I hear more women having issues um, getting pregnant now than ever. Um, so with you, I actually want to talk more about postpartum. Um, yeah. So diving into that, what do your hormones do after having a baby? And what are also some um, things that you would avoid after having a baby, like more diet-wise? Um, yeah, because I know your hormones change a lot after giving birth. Yeah, your hormones are crazy after giving birth um, because, like I said, progesterone is your progest hormone, so it is high throughout pregnancy. Okay. Um, estrogen also increases, and your levels are the highest right before labor. Um, we have something called oxytocin. That's kind of our feel-good bonding hormone, but it's also the hormone that helps us actually give birth. Okay. Um, so it plays an important role in labor, an important role in breastfeeding. It stimulates the, the uterine muscle to actually, like, expel a baby. Okay. Um, and when women get induced, that's the hormone that they use. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, and so after you give birth, it's kind of a, a dumping of all these hormones. Yes. And they just kind of They just kind of crash, I guess, yeah. so to speak. Um, oxytocin is a really important part of getting your uterus back to the size that it was previously. Okay. Um, for women who just have a baby, they'll notice that, especially with breastfeeding, you're kind of, um, it's interesting because you're kind of nursing at the same time as you feel these significant period cramps and it's yeah. literally your uterus going back to size. Oh my gosh, um, that's insane. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, you're, you're bleeding a lot. You're getting a, yeah. lot of, a lot of fluid, a lot of tissue. Um, so they're really kind of dumping and in the first few weeks and it can be, I mean, up to six to eight weeks, you can be feeling kind of down because okay. your hormones have just taken a crash. And, um, this is kind of the, the baby blues usually yes. peaks about 10 days after labor and delivery and I think it's the overwhelming idea of having a newborn now especially when it's your first yeah but also those hormones on top of everything and the sleep deprivation um so cortisol um, yes are, we're stressed uh so I think that there's a lot of stuff going on it's an emotional roller coaster definitely um, so things are things are kind of trying to level out progesterone goes back down estrogen is a little bit higher for a little bit and, and a lot of women with these shifts in hormones can be vulnerable to their thyroid um, overreacting and becoming uh, what's called like a postpartum thyroiditis. Okay. And, and so what happens is basically, if you've heard of Hashimoto's thyroiditis, yes. mm -hmm. it's an autoimmune thyroid disease. I find women are vulnerable to it in usually two main stages of their life, um, postpartum and in menopause. And it's because of those hormone shifts. Okay. Women are vulnerable to that. So those are kind of all the hormone shifts that happen. And yeah. what, what I would say in terms of avoiding or um, keeping in mind is... When it comes to diet postpartum, you're being if you're if you're nursing, you're being depleted of a whole lot. Yes. Um, you're already being depleted if you're not nursing a mm -hmm. whole lot. And so with the sleep deprivation, you lost a lot of fluids. You're exhausted. Your hormones are are kind of tanking. You really need to make sure that you are number one getting the best hydration that you can. Okay. So I always recommend. Um, is getting so have you ever heard of the emergency packets uh no oh yeah the um like they're like the high vitamin c yeah, ones so yeah like, vitamin 
be like just something easy that you can kind of pour in some water, chug, get your electrolytes in. Okay. Um, to make sure that, especially if you're nursing, you want to be making sure you can actually make enough breast milk. So yes. having lots of vitamin C, continuing to take your prenatal vitamin. Um, a lot of women stop because okay. they think, oh, I've had the baby. But yeah. to make sure you stay healthy and you're getting all the nutrition that you need, making sure you take that prenatal is going to be key. Um, the electrolytes will really help keep you a little bit more energized, hydrated. Um, and then you want to you want to focus on foods that are really healing and nourishing, um, especially if you have, like me, a winter baby. Yes. Um, lo- lots of soups and stews. Um, are really nourishing, easy to digest. When your body is in a state of stress or sleep deprivation, again, think of the fight or flight. We are not resting and digesting. So we need to be giving our body things that are easily absorbed, um, well-nourished. So um, bone broth is an amazing, amazing thing to add in. Adding things like smoothies with collagen powder, um, just to help with that gut healing, that nutrient absorption. Like I said, the electrolytes, all of those sorts of things. Lots of fruits and vegetables, and it's really hard when you're in, having an infant child. So yes. I recommend doing lots of like picky stuff. So if you can have like celery and carrots, and oh, cool. if someone comes over to offer you one thing, cut up my vegetables, right? Yeah. So you have like <laughs> the cucumber, and you have a thing of hummus. So when you're nursing, you can with one hand be dipping carrots and hummus, and yeah. at least making sure you're getting those nutrient dense things. Um, yeah, and so those sorts of things are what I would recommend. Lots of healthy fats. Okay. Uh, lots of nuts and seeds. Adding to smoothies things like chia seeds, hemp hearts, flaxseed can easily be added in. Um, and a bonus is flaxseed's really good to help with that estrogen dominance that we see postpartum. Okay. So you can help kind of level out your estrogen levels by adding in some flaxseed to really any sort of smoothie. I love that. Yeah, that is great. Um, what is your take on seed cycling? Because I've heard you mention seeds a couple times now, so I had to, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, and I think seed cycling is fantastic. I think that um, if you follow it correctly, and it's one of so going back to kind of what patients are willing to do or what they can do from like a financial perspective. Mm-hmm. If I have a patient who has irregular periods and they say, you know what, I can only do dietary things. I can't take any supplements. Um, I can't do any testing. And that's kind of where we're constrained at. I just want lifestyle and diet. I would highly recommend seed cycling because that would be kind of where we would start. Cool. But having an open and honest conversation about that, saying I wouldn't expect results as quickly yes. as somebody who I, I did the testing and supplements on. Yeah. Because that's the honest truth. Yes. But it can be helpful because seed cycling adds in, um, if nothing else, it adds in healthy fats, it adds in protein, and it adds in fiber. And those are all things you need for healthy hormones. And I will do it as an addition. So if I have my patients that I'm just trying to do a full-on dietary change or on supplements, I will add the seed cycling as part of of a bigger diet. But I won't tell them to be as strict because we're doing other things. Yeah. For some people, it's all they need. Some okay. people will do seed cycling and their periods come back and it's great. Yeah. But other people, things are a little bit more resistant. I find PCOS is resistant. Yes. Um, <laughs> if, if, exactly. And if somebody is like, depends why your periods are regular. Okay. Your periods are irregular because you've just like gone through a stressful time mm-hmm. and you're eating a crappy diet and you just need to get back on track then seed cycling probably gets your period back on track. Okay. But if you've been dealing with 60 to 70 day cycles for your whole life, 
Mm, seed cycling might not do the trick, but yeah. I love adding their healthy seeds, their healthy fats. It's great um, to add in to a bigger protocol. I wouldn't tell someone that that's going to fix their life. Though. Yeah, definitely. No, that's awesome. Um, I just love that there's just so many variables of getting your hormones back on track. Um, and there's so many things that we can do, even if you can't afford all of the supplements and things like that, like you were talking so much about diet um, and how important it really is. And I feel like I wish more doctors, I mean, I know Western medicine is very, very different, but I wish more doctors would just talk about how important food is with um, just keeping our bodies obviously healthy, but also regulating our um, hormones. It's it's crazy how much that can shift because I know it did for me personally. And then I ended up getting into nutrition because my life was turned around when I actually got my nutrition in check and stopped, you know, going on these crazy diets, trying to lose weight because I had such a hard time losing weight with PCOS and I didn't understand why I was like, you know, I'm barely eating anything. And, um, yeah, no one told me, my doctor told me, you know, lose weight and take birth control. <laughs> that was I my, sword to that because I love working with conventional medicine. I think we each have a lot to offer and I love yeah. working in conjunction with people's nurse practitioners and doctors because I think it's really great and it's really in the best interest of the patient. But yeah. I think I'm, unfortunately a lot of my patients come to see me and say, yeah, my doctor just said lose weight. Yeah. And who, who on the face of the planet has ever been told to just lose weight and they've just done it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no one. Otherwise I was not going to do it. But now that you've just said it, yes. there's going to be no plans of action. Yes. I'm just going to go do it. That's and hilarious. So I think I think the other piece of that is the doctors know they need to lose weight, but they don't know how because unfortunately they actually don't have any nutrition training or supplement training. Um, At least here they don't. So I think that that's the other piece is they're they're taught about medicine, they're taught about pharmaceuticals, they're taught about life-saving procedures, but they're not taught about diet. And so that's where I think naturopathic medicine comes in is where we have... We have the time. Yes. Um, we do. We do have the medical training, but we have the time to talk to people because we aren't bound by the constraints of, of the government. Um, here, it's OHIP. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of nice on our end, but yeah, that's why doctors are just kind of like, yeah, eat better, and you're like, okay. Yeah, and I had no idea. You know, at 13, getting diagnosed with that. I had no idea. And so for me, my idea of losing weight was, you know, eating salads and like not getting enough protein. I was working out, but I was only doing like cardio and I wasn't weight training. So I just, I didn't know. And you know, my parents started kind of diving into just some like the more natural routes and things that I could do. And, um, yeah, I mean, we just, we didn't know and we didn't know who to talk to and where to go. So that's why I was just so excited to have you on the show because I, well, I followed your Instagram for a long time, but, um, I was like, there's always so much great information that every woman should know and that we you know we all have these bodies that we have to take care of so I was like okay we gotta have her on the show and we need to talk about some of these really hard topics that um yeah we just don't have knowledge on yeah absolutely I know and I think it's funny because when I talk to my my patients are so used to me talking all about all of these things yeah we always talk about this but when people hear for the first time and honestly when I heard it for the first time before I even got into this um, industry, it was like, wow, like yeah. as if things can be so simple and yes. still, you are still, I, I wouldn't recommend going to Dr. Google and having, figuring it out yourself. Yeah. There are a lot of, a lot of different layers to what's going on. Yes. There is, take this for your estrogen and take this, but you have to know where to start. That's yeah. kind of 
the beginning. But I think that there's a lot of good ways that um, we can feel better and we're really not feeling better. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that is the culture of wanting quick fixes. Definitely. Um, but also it's like a little bit of a lack of education too. People don't really know what their options are. Yeah. No, so very true. I love that. So I have one random question because I always like to ask a random question at the end of a yeah. show. Um, if there is any advice that you could give to women about health or really anything, what would it be? Huh, that's a broad question. I know. It could be anything. What is a piece of advice that you wish someone, maybe someone told you when you were younger? My biggest piece of advice that I literally tell every single one of my patients is to track your cycle. I love because it. the amount the amount of patients that come in and I'm like, all right, let's start talking about your hormones, and they really have no idea when their last period was, what their symptoms are like. Yeah, like, yeah I think last period was heavy. The amount of information that you can get from your cycle is astronomical, and actually the period has been referred to as your fifth vital sign yeah. and so it's really interesting we take our blood pressure we take our heart rate we take our temperature we get yeah. our respiration rate but we don't track our cycle and our yeah. cycle is literally a vital sign it shows us how our hormones are doing and how we are doing in every aspect of of our health yeah. so i think that's kind of the the piece that i would say for every, if you can take away one piece from this and you are not tracking your cycle download an app and start tracking your cycle today I love it. Yes, I totally agree. That's so awesome. Thank you so much. So where can people find you on Instagram? Um, what is your website? Give us all your info. Yeah, so anyone um, can follow me on Instagram. It's at Dr. Laura ND. And my website is linked on my Instagram, but it's www.laurapeifer.com. It's P-I-P-H-E-R. Um, and that's about it. I'm mostly on Instagram, so pretty easy to find. Perfect. Um, if you're looking, I like to just share information, um, educate women, and um, post things that people find interesting. So, yes, definitely. And do you take remote clients, um, or are you only in person? Well, that's a tricky question because I am licensed as a naturopathic doctor in Ontario, Canada. Okay. Um, so I am only allowed to treat patients that have an Ontario, Canada address. Okay. I do see patients online, but they are in Ontario. Okay. Um, I, I'm working a little bit on, um, I mean, to be announced, but an online type of educational program that um, kind of goes beyond uh, not treatment per se, but just education that, that women can um, sign up for. So I love it. Working on that. But yeah, right now it's just kind of... Uh, um, restricted as as far as that so that's why I like to give education and videos and things like that on Instagram to try and spread the message further than I guess my reach yeah no definitely that's awesome well I appreciate everything that you're doing and thank you so much for coming on this show um it was really great talking to you and guys make sure you follow Dr. Laura on Instagram um she has some really really great information um just about everything women's health so yeah um, that is the end of our show. And again, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you just taking time to jump on this phone call with me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Stay tuned and follow us on our Instagram at fromfear.tofreedom to stay up to date on upcoming episodes, Alexis's Women's Health Wednesday, My Mental Health Monday, giveaways, and all those kind of fun things. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.
This podcast was created for women like you and me to tell stories of freedom, victory, hardships, and just great advice all around. I hope you enjoy the show.